Yeah, I suppose that was like the true cost got me thinking about all of that. And I think I was just looking at the price of the clothes. And I actually thought that most clothes were just factory made and that's how the prices were so low. Mm. Sorry, not factory made. Well, like machinery factory made, not people treated like machinery in factories sewing everything. So I thought that prices were low because of that. But when I found out that it was actually just people being paid little to nothing in these factories day in, day out, I figured that there's no way that something can cost five pounds or ten dollars and be ethical. Thanks for tuning into our Roth podcast. We love having you here, and it is our mission to bring you the latest and greatest sustainable tips, skills, and know-how to make you the best that you can be. We know that you've got it in you, and we're going to show you how. Now, let's rough it. So, um, this is our very first podcast with Chloe. We met almost two years ago now, when it was yeah. through rough, and we were doing like workshops, and I think you came the first time for a do-it-yourself session. Yes, I think you were making cleaning products. Yeah, that was during the Sustainable Living Festival. We had done a yeah, do-it-yourself cleaning products and you came and you took lots of pictures and you told us that you also were into this and you had your own blog. And then we started together. I mean, we had more people at the time, but we started also to define the rough journey and meeting every week in Melbourne to discuss about how we could maybe create a website share yeah. all the tips that we had about around sustainability and two years after <laughs> we had the launch of the online classes and i think it's so cool that we still have link and we keep growing yeah. so yeah it's grown so much it's amazing to see the journey from the start to now yeah starting in 10 <laughs> it's really cool so I don't know, I wanted to maybe because I think what kind of started the rough journey was that we all had maybe different interests in sustainability and mm. join us from yeah, this workshop on do-it-yourself products. That was maybe what interested you to create your own products and go plastic free. And you have also many different like aspects because on your blog and on your Instagram you're talking about fashion and zero waste. So I wanted to ask you maybe first, when did you start your rough journey and what was maybe the trigger? Gosh, well, you've probably gathered from my blog that I just jump around a lot. I get bored quite easily. And so I cover so many things from like a sustainable perspective. But I think the thing that kicked it off was makeup, which I'm not that good at or that big on, which you can probably tell now as minimal as possible is the best thing. But it began with makeup because I thought that it was normal for everything to be cruelty free or to be vegan. And I thought that Mac, I'm sure you've heard of Mac. I thought that they were the worst brand in the world because I knew that they tested on animals. And then it wasn't until maybe four years ago that I found out that the majority of products in my makeup bag were also tested on animals and I just had no idea. So I kind of got to work finding out what was cruelty free and what wasn't. And then after that, I watched the true cost, which I know kickstarted people, like a lot of people's journeys. And I basically just figured out that there was so much more depth to everything in life that I had just taken for granted. So that 
kick-started me to think about everything from a sustainable point of view. And just, I guess, just to try and find out what's the kind of way to do everything I can. Yeah, because the name of your blog is Be Kind Coco. <laughs> yes, <laughs> just be kind. That's the yeah. main message. And to remind myself to find ways to be kind. So, because you said first was like the animal testing that kind of got you into thinking where the products were coming from and how they had been yeah, tested and yeah. manufactured. Because the True Cast, the True Cast is one of the most popular documentaries on what's behind the slow fashion scene. And I think it's really interesting because I guess on the true cost, you have the environmental impact of fast fashion, but also all the social issues that are created through the system of fast fashion. So is that for you like this kind of like, uh, I guess the tested part is more linked to animal testing and around like fashion. What's this thing that kind of like got you more into rethinking the way you purchase clothes and shop yeah I suppose that was like the true cost got me thinking about all of that and I think I was just looking at the price of the clothes and I actually thought that most clothes were just factory made and that's how the prices were so low Mm -hmm. sorry not factory made well like machinery factory made not people treated like machinery in factories sewing everything so I thought that prices were low because of that but when I found out that it was actually just people being paid little to nothing in these factories day in day out I figured that there's no way that something can cost five pounds or ten dollars and be ethical so that kicked me up the bum to think what is the true cost of what I'm wearing and what I'm buying yeah, you were just not aware of how things happen. And as you said before, you assume it was a certain way and then you realize it's completely different and it doesn't worse the cost of the, actually the fact that it's cheap. And my question is more like, uh, how did you kind of bring back more positivity and saying, what can I do? You know, not to kind of go against this overwhelming feelings, thinking, what can I do? Where can I start? Do you have any examples for people yeah. who feel a bit, you know, the same way. Well, it's, I'm really glad you brought up like the negative versus the positive side because I'm quite a positive person. Like I can't help being quite glass half full about lots of things. And I can't stand when people say that the world is screwed and that there's no chance for anything. So why try? And I just think the more people that do try, the more people that are positive, the more likely we are to have a positive future. So I'm very much that sort of person. And I didn't want to overwhelm myself and get too deep in the negative side of things so I do kind of take a step by step with everything and with fashion I guess that starts with loving what I already have and thinking what will be the most sustainable way that I can buy something if I do need to buy it and for me that begins with secondhand clothing and then if I can't find anything there then I tend to have a list usually basically now it's everyone I follow on Instagram and it's just all of the amazing brands that I do trust to pay their staff well and to be cruelty free and to be vegan and to actually use fabrics that last a long time yeah that's my plan at the moment that's where I start and I wanted to ask you because I know you've participated to a few swap events even one on Instagram during COVID well first in general how does a swap event is organized on what is your 
feeling about it? What did you get from it? Basically, you book a ticket, usually online, and you go to an event, although I have done one via Instagram, I'll tell you about that afterwards. But at the main events, you bring a certain amount of clothes, usually sort of up to five things, and you swap them for an equal amount of buttons, which is your currency. That's what you can like swap with. And then at a certain time in the night, someone just basically announces everything and says three, two, one, go. And everyone just rushes because they've eyed something up before the event has started and they know what they want. And I guess because you have this like set amount of time and it's just a free for all. Yeah. It's like, I've never been to a like Black Friday American style thing, but I imagine it's a bit like this. It's just everyone looking at all the amazing clothes that people are swapping and trying them on, not even necessarily bothering to find a like spot to change in sometimes because people are just so in love with what they're going to get. And so the Instagram version is a little less crazy than that, but you have to, well, in the one that I've done, you register the clothes that you want to swap online and check everything to make sure that all the clothing that you're swapping are high quality and that everyone's getting sort of an even deal throughout the swap yeah and then you log on at a certain time and view the person brand's story and you click through them to see what you might want to swap there okay. i think that's the main idea behind the swaps so you have a little bit of this kind of uh, feeling of being the first <laughs> one to get the better deal it's a bit of a rush yeah how many people were there the first time in other ones so the real event that you went to Ooh, gosh, it's been so different each time. There have been some outside ones that I think had a few hundred people. And I believe the first one I went to was more around 30 to 50 people. Okay. So you can really have any size you want because everyone brings around five items each. So there's always a lot to go around. Yeah. I would love to organize one maybe after the situation is a bit, when the situation <laughs> is a bit more settled. Yeah. But maybe between friends. And it's true, you have to also take into account that you have like different sizes or at least different matches for different sizes. Yeah. We all have different body shapes. <laughs> but at this way, maybe you can also regulate the number of people <laughs> and link it to kind of a nice moment and get some food. Yeah, so quite often the swaps will donate a certain amount of the tickets to a charity and if there are any clothes left over then they deal with it responsibly they don't throw them away or anything it's usually partnered with a charity that has space to take the clothes on because I guess not many people know that a lot of clothing in charity shops doesn't end up getting sold and goes to landfill so it's good that these swap events do actually take responsibility of all the clothing that people bring yeah. and if they are swapped then they avoid going to charity so yeah that's great so yeah, I think that's a good point because it's also something we highlight in the course that 90% of the donated clothes go to landfill or are going to be sent overseas to different countries. But it's better yeah. to actually try to either give it to somebody yeah. else or swap or even sell it because at least you're sure you're giving your clothes a second life and you're sure. Yeah, yeah it's good for us to actually take that responsibility on and not leave it up to a charity shop. I like, like that. Yeah. I used to just assume that they were fine and that they would just take everything and that it all just existed somewhere out of my view. And now I realize that it just goes to landfill and they have to pay for it. It's not a perfect system. 
So maybe, I mean, listening to you, it feels like donating, it's kind of a quick, feel good kind of actions because you yeah. feel like you've donated something valuable, but if it's not really valuable, you just <laughs> put the burden into somebody else. So it's, yeah. as you said, I like the fact that people maybe think twice and try to find a solution themselves before going yeah. to donate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like there's such a problem with plastic waste and like all of these single-use products that are packaged in so much single-use plastic. It's like throwing it away and the, you know, the saying there is no away. Like it's out of sight, it's out of mind, but it still exists somewhere and it's it's still a problem. Yeah. And it's the same thing with clothing. We think taking it to a charity shop, yeah, you feel good, it's a quick fix, but really your clothes could then be causing damage somewhere which isn't great I don't think anyone actually wants to do that yeah I like that you were talking about so swap via Instagram which I found super creative could you see any new trends emerging in slow fashion during and mm. after COVID gosh I'm not sure trend wise do you mean like with fashion people because obviously I think the risk is like people want it to maybe get new clothes uh, instead of Going up shopping because most of the up shop has been have been closed. They're gonna go yeah. back to ordering online and maybe from fast fashion brands or you know just having something going back a little bit to uh, what was easier. So I don't know if I you saw anything else coming out. Well, I suppose classic trend wise, I see comfy clothes being huge. And it can look fantastic and be comfy. And I think the more people are working from home, the more that is definitely happening. I told my mum the other day, I'm pretty sure that masks are going to be this year's stocking fillers, assuming that continues to be an issue in most people's lives. And I think people just want to be prepared for the future and having a fantastic looking mask is <laughs> yeah. I think one trend that I I don't know how to feel about it, but like the greenwashing that you see on so many fast fashion brands of selling certain products that are like organic cotton or made from eco nil or like you know, recycled plastic clothes. But you know that they're still relying on selling clothes really fast, really cheap, making so many of them. Yeah. So I feel like it's really like a disingenuous trend. Like they're just trying to hop on board and get people's money pretending like they've got good values but I really think that that's misplaced on that note I feel like uh, when we talk about sustainability in general like people feel it's easier to switch from commercial brands to sustainable brands before going into reusing buying and keeping yeah. in circulation we are working at the moment with like um environmental engineer to actually quantify the co2 impact and water usage for different alternatives because what you just mentioned about cotton when you go for like sustainable cotton or organic cotton let's say it's still a tremendous amount of water that is used to yeah. create an item so it yeah. feels maybe that it's a better choice but it's not so amazing not it's better maybe to go and get a um, clothes that is made of synthetic fibers from a second-hand shop than yeah. getting something new and we try to kind of uh, create guidance for people so they know because it's yeah. as you said well, a lot of like greenwashing there's a lot of like information that is shared by big companies and you think that maybe you do the right thing but it's in terms of sustainability and environmental impact it's really not the best thing you could do yeah yeah i agree it's so hard to know what is actually a good idea because like you can get statistics for things and 
so many brands, especially if they've got a lot of money, can twist it to say whatever message they want. So it's kind of hard to rely on just brands saying, buy this, this thing is good, and you need to really do your own research. Yeah, it's so interesting because I know that cotton is used for most clothing or at least a good amount of clothing, but it really isn't my favorite material. I'm so more drawn to like hemp at the moment because I do know that it uses so much less water. But I suppose in lots of places like Australia, hemp is quite a new fabric at the moment. So not that many things are being made with it, but I have an amazing pair of trousers and a hemp <laughs> and a bag and I love it. Yeah, I'd like hemp to be a trend, please. <laughs> <laughs> I'd buy into this. <laughs> I started because obviously, I mean, there's not only fashion and you said uh, regarding cosmetics. What has been yeah. a little bit your journey on this? Because you said you started with cruelty-free products. Um, yeah where did you find I, them? how did you like uh, educate yourself on this topic I guess I started with I think just a podcast or a radio show and I couldn't tell you which one it was but it just broadened my eyes to everything and for example finding out that animals that were used in the cosmetic tests they get terminated they don't get a life after being tested they don't get tested on more things or anything they have like the worst life they're just kept in a lab and terminated once they're done with and so that was the beginning and I decided okay no makeup that doesn't specify cruelty free Mm. and then I decided okay no not vegan makeup so right now all the makeup I have is cruelty free and then vegan and the next step for me is trying to make it as low waste as possible so I'm trying to find different products that have as little plastic as possible mm-hmm. and an amazing product I found is the brand is Dirty Hippie and it's a mascara that comes in like a glass jar mm-hmm. and I basically just use that with an old mascara wand that I've kept it was like my favorite vegan mascara as soon as I ran out with that I was like okay I'm gonna find a glass version and luckily this dirty hippie cosmetics exists and a lot of the makeup they have is plastic free so I ordered that and I'm so amazed with how good this mascara is and so yeah that's like restored my faith and I'm gonna keep trying to find more alternative makeup out there because I don't use it very much so it's been a slow journey But as soon as I run out of something, I'll then implement that next step. So some of like my eyeshadows I have are still just cruelty free because I don't use them that much. But once they do, then I'm like, okay, only vegan and cruelty free eyeshadow. And that's um, stepping up my makeup (laughs) as I go. Yeah, I like your approach of like, uh, well, first finishing up what you have. Don't go and swap everything for sustainable brands because it's just yeah. And it's so easy to get carried away, especially because like if there are cheap makeup products out there and there are lots of really affordable, cruelty-free and vegan makeup brands, it is easy to get carried away and buying things because suddenly blue is everywhere and you'd love a blue eyeshadow or a blue lipstick or something. But yeah, I try to run out of something before I buy it. Yeah. Yeah. That's also why we call it maybe slow fashion, you know, like slow living because obviously you don't react to the urge to buy and to fast fashion or trends and you just try to find what works for you and then you stick to it (laughs) yeah yeah slow fashion is a lot more about just like it says slowing down actually just stop buying and enjoy what you have love the clothes that are already in your closet Mm. and then you can think about if you really need something else after that 
Well, like I said, yeah, pressure combining. Like I also tried the Dirty Hippie mascara, but mm-hmm. I also tried the eyeliner, but I found it so complicated on the morning. I had like ink everywhere. Like it was just a mess. <laughs> and I didn't start think about reusing maybe the brushes that maybe are silicone or, you know, but you already bought it and you just reuse it and then you just refill with like a sustainable option. That's really smart, I think, to do this. You need to find what works for you and especially something like eyeliner, yeah, it does get everywhere. And I'm really <laughs> particular about like an eyeliner you know, like wand or whatever you would call it. Like I can't use any of the brush sort of ones. I really like the pen sort of tip. So I'm on a hunt for that right now. I have one that's in bamboo and I do really like that because it's more bamboo than it is plastic, but I'm pretty sure with anything like this, it's probably going to be in plastic. Yeah, so um, I guess for us, because we speak mostly to busy people who don't really have time to do so much research. So there are two things here. It's like, what is the most impactful action that people can start today? And maybe how they can build new habits, like slowly, to have like um, a longer um, term impact. Do you have any tips? Yes. Okay. And I love this because it's quite hard, but there are a few things that I reckon everyone can do and to start implementing that are actually easy. The first is to remove temptation. And it might be that you can't, you know, change the way you walk to work or go to the bus stop or something, but most sales, at least that I do now, are completely online. So the way that I reduce temptation is to unsubscribe from everyone on my email list. This is sometimes even brands that I like. If they tempt me too much, I'll even unsubscribe from them. But any fast fashion or tempting things, remove them because you really do not need to see all of the sales emails. And as well as temptation, you can get an ad blocker so that any cookies and things watching you online, like they get to know what you want and what you click on. So remove all of your ads if you can so that you're less tempted to click on things. And what's the word? Like panic by if you can remove that as much as possible then you'll just realize that you're not tempted by all of these things that you don't need so that's my first tip the second tip is to make a list of all of the brands that you really like and so when you do come to buy something you know where you can actually get it from and you're not stumped and you can even what's the word There are like um, online marketplace brands. So you don't have to have lists of every single brand that you love. You can instead go to websites like Velvety or Stride or Ecomono that sell loads of different brands that all can specify their values. So if you want to only stick to vegan fashion, amazing. They are all there. You can just click on one button and view all of the vegan fashion that you could throw a stick at. And the last thing, if you are clearing out your closet, is to find different ways to dispose of your items. So like we've covered already, it's not a great idea just to throw them straight at a charity shop. And it is amazing if you can find a friend to give them to or put them on something like Facebook Marketplace, go to a swap event. And yeah, there are heaps of different ways that you can give your clothes a second chance. If you take a bit of time, if you go slow, you really can find a lot more answers to these things. So yeah, they are my tips. I think that they are fairly straightforward for most people to follow. Yeah, I think that's awesome. It goes with like what we also have developed because the first step is to refuse and the first way to refuse is to avoid temptation, that's for sure. 
I didn't think so much about that's true, like blocking the ads or maybe going incognito so the cookies, you know, don't kind of work. Um, yeah. Show you ads that are too appealing. That's a good one. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank yeah. you so much, Chris. You're welcome. It's been fun. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. We hope you enjoyed the talk and got a lot out of it. A big thank you also to our guest speakers. Stay tuned for more sustainable talks and tips. Bye for now. Thank you.